Today is the bookend to our octave of Easter. So eight days of celebrating Easter Sunday in a row. And our gospels for the two Sundays that bookend the octave are fitting. Last Sunday from the Gospel of John, we had Mary Magdalene meeting Jesus at the tomb early on Easter morning. And today's gospel picks up on the evening of Easter day when the apostles are shut up in the room and Jesus appears to them. And then it concludes with the eighth day, the following Sunday, like we are today, when he reappears for Thomas's sake. And for a while now in the church, this second Sunday of Easter has been designated by Pope John Paul II as Divine Mercy Sunday. So why is the second Sunday of Easter the, the Sunday that gets titled Divine Mercy? Doesn't that sound more like a topic for Lent, when we were talking about forgiveness and mercy through the season of Lent leading up to Easter? Doesn't it feel a little bit like a looking back instead of a looking forward? Why divine mercy on the second Sunday of Easter? It revolves all around the way that Jesus appears resurrected to his apostles. How does Jesus appear to them? He appears to them, obviously, as one who's conquered sin and death because he's alive after having died. But he appears to them with his wounds still present. He still has the wounds of the nails in his hands and in his feet and the wound in his side from where the soldier pierced him with a lance. Why would he appear in that way? Why are the wounds still there? Wouldn't you think that if you conquered sin and death, you would appear perfectly whole, right? Everybody thinks, what, do I, what will my body be like in heaven? Well, it's my 25-year-old me when I was best looking, right? So why is Jesus wounded in his resurrection? It's because this is how he reveals God's love to the world. This is how he reveals his mercy. Pope John Paul II says mercy is love's second name. Mercy, we hear it all the time, but do you really have an understanding of what it is? What is God's mercy? Because it's a particularly Christian idea this mercy, because it's not pity. Too often it's equated with pity. It is not pity. Mercy is unrequited love. It's unearned love. It's the way that love is revealed in the face of evil. This is mercy. Pope John Paul II describes it as mercy is the first act of God in the world. It is the coming together of God who is love and who is justice expressed in the world. And so what does Jesus reveal when he appears resurrected with the wounds still present? Well, what are the first words that he speaks to the apostles? Peace be with you. What was the last thing that happened before he died with the apostles? They abandoned him. They all ran away. This is the first time that he sees them after they've abandoned him. So he has every right to come and say, I told you so. But his first message is, peace be with you. There is no animosity between me and you. Here is my love. Receive the Holy Spirit. His first act is love. But how does that become possible? Is that 
he retains to himself the consequence of justice. They are rightly condemned for their actions. But Jesus, by his wounds, shows them, I take to myself the consequence of your evil, so that you can receive the love that I have always intended for you. Because if you have to face the consequence of your evil, you will not be able to receive my love. He holds the consequence of justice to himself so that he can offer freely his gift of love to his apostles. And we experience this when we try to enact mercy in our own life. If you think of, if you've ever been the friend who is always initiating the friendship with another person, you are always the one who calls, you are always the one who sets up times to meet up, and they never seem to reciprocate unrequited love, given freely. Now, if you're resentful, it completely eradicates it. But it's that idea of always initiating without it being reciprocated. It's when you forgive someone who has rightly hurt you, even before they ask for forgiveness. Before they have even asked for forgiveness, finding the balance of justice, you, from within you, go, I forgive this person. I release them of their debt to me for the wrong that they have done. It's when you willingly spend time with someone who can't really reciprocate that love to you. It's when grandpa gets down on his knees and has a tea party with his granddaughter and spends as much time as she wants setting the teacups with her dolls and playing with her. It's not an equal relationship. It's when you willingly spend time with someone who is handicapped and you can't reciprocate a conversation fully, that it takes more out of you than you feel like you're being given sometimes. This is the idea of mercy. But there's ways that we prevent God's gift of mercy from coming to us. There's ways that we put up barriers from that really being able to take root in our hearts and in our lives. I find four. There's probably more. The first one, we have this strict idea of justice rooted in our minds. This eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. How does that play out? Well, I need to do this for God so that I get from God what I'm looking for. That there's this balance between making up for my sin in my life by the amount of prayer that I make or by the amount of charity that I do, and then God will bless me. The moment that we start to look at our relationship with God in that strict justice, we create a barrier for God's mercy because he assumes the consequence of justice. The second one, we dilute evil because evil is too hard to face in all of its consequence. We kind of mitigate it, it's not so bad, never done anything really wrong, and so we kind of mitigate the evil in ourselves or in the world around us, then why do we need mercy? Because mercy is love's response to evil. So if we aren't willing to face the full effect of how that affects us, there's no need for mercy. There's no need for God. Third, 
We need to understand and rationalize God's mercy. That before we can be open to receiving the gift, we have to wrap our heads around it. That we approach God's mercy first from the intellect. Not that there's something that can't be rationalized about it. It's what I'm trying to do in this homily. But it's not primarily an act of the intellect. How do you rationalize love? You can't. You can't ever fully understand it. So if we do that, we put up a barrier to God's mercy. And fourth, we are too rooted in the past of what has happened or in the future of what might be. We think far too much about what has been done, what has happened, or we think about everything that we still have the potential to do and are too fearful of what might happen. Love is never given for the past. You can't redo love that you haven't fulfilled in the past. Love isn't given for the future. Here's a, a reserve of my love, so when I can't give it to you later, tap into that bank and then you'll be okay. Love can only be given for the moment. God's mercy is the same. God's mercy doesn't matter in the past. Forgiveness is there to eradicate it. God doesn't give mercy for the future. He gives it for right now. And so if we can't be present to the moment that is given to us, a barrier for God's mercy. We need to be willing to let go of those so that this gift of God's mercy, His love and His justice being integrated into our life can take hold. How do you know if you have received God's mercy in your life? Well, if God's mercy is Him withholding the consequence of justice so that you can fully experience the gift of his love, then on our side, we fully receive the gift of his love and respond by enacting justice around us. We see that in our readings today, right? In the Acts of the Apostles, the early Christian community, they have experienced God's mercy in their life. How does that manifest itself? It says they are of one mind and they share all of their goods in common. They're completely detached from what is mine and willingly say whatever is needed for the good of the community, take. Justice. Love received, justice given. It's what St. John tells us in his letter today, where how do I know that I love God? By following his commandments and loving my neighbor. This is what identifies whether we have actually received the gift of God's mercy. Or in the gospel with Jesus and the apostles. He comes with his message of peace, and then what does he say? As the Father sends me, so I send you. Whatever sins you forgive, they are forgiven. Whatever sins you retain, they are retained. And we remind ourselves of that every time we pray the Our Father. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. The way that we know if we have truly received the real gift of God's mercy in our life is the way that we live out his justice in the world. Because then we know we have received his love and willingly and freely enact that. If we do good in the world, but frustration, resentment grows within us, it's not, doesn't flow from God's mercy. It flows from our need to balance out justice in the world.
Divine Mercy Sunday is all about the way that Jesus comes to his apostles in the resurrection with the message of peace when they are rightly condemned for their actions and showing them his wounds because he withholds to himself the consequence of justice. And so each one of us, I think, could easily say, I haven't yet fully received the gift of God's mercy that comes how? Through water and the blood, in baptism and the Eucharist. <laughs>